We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. My people, week two of the NFL season is just about complete. A lot of revelations, a lot of things to discuss. Really want to appreciate you for sticking with me through these audio issues. I know this microphone does not sound like I'm in a studio at KNBR, but it's about the content, the stuff I'm saying. So actually, if you turn this on 1.5 speed on iTunes, it sounds a lot better. Just a little house cleaning thing to let you know as we get this podcast beginning 49ers lose week two 12 to nine and there's some encouraging signs here there's legit progress being made in certain areas of the team other areas now we're going to debut a new segment encouraging and discouraging a little later on in the show but let's just kind of recap what happened 12-9 loss. 49ers took a lead in Seattle in the fourth quarter, playing like dog crap on offense. You've got to tip your hat to the defense here. First-year coordinator Robert Sala. I mean, this defense right now is ranked ninth in the league in points and yards allowed. This was a game where the defensive line needed to step up, and they legit did. DeForest Buckner was everywhere. 
Tank Carradine had a sack. Eric Armstead had a sack. I was critical of them on Twitter because when Russell Wilson scrambled around and got the lone touchdown of the game right there, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, that was their opportunity to perhaps win the game. They didn't do it. They didn't make the timely plays. I should have given them a B-plus on Twitter for their grade, but the defense, I did not think they would be this good to start the season, especially against two teams who have been to the Super Bowl this decade. Granted, Seahawks were dropping passes, couldn't run the ball really till the fourth quarter. It wasn't all the 49ers' defense, but they played with physicality. I mean, right from the start, I noticed Jaquiski Tart, Jimmy Ward, he welcomed back really nicely, and Eric Reed even played a little dinged up. These guys were hitting hard. They were leveling ball carriers to the turf. As John Lynch said, this wasn't a bully going in and poking the 49ers in the chest. They, they sort of stood up on defense. The offense is a whole other issue here. First time in Kyle Shanahan's career, 146 NFL games, he's gone, scoring a touchdown back-to-back weeks. That's the first time he has it. And I guess kind of the issue here with Kyle is he picked Brian Hoyer. He picked Marquise Goodwin. These are guys that they signed day one, day two, day three of free agency to be key cogs, and so far those guys have not shown up. We can talk about Carolina being an incredible defense. Seattle, they don't have a hole in that defense. I'm more worried about Brian Hoyer in the elementary mistake, second straight week interception right in the middle of the field. You've got to be able to see a linebacker there. That's not going to be acceptable. That's uh, that's an interception C.J. Beathard can throw and grow from. Back-to-back weeks of that, not good. I mean, you're not throwing for over 100 yards here. Hoyer knows it. This is not acceptable. If he's playing like this several weeks in a row, there's going to be calls for his job. Um, Offensive line was better, too. There was pressure, but I thought the offensive line played better. Trent Brown and Joe Staley have been anchors on the outside. Really, the play, though, came down to a Marquise Goodwin drop. Second straight week that Hoyer has delivered it on the money. Week one in Carolina would have been a touchdown that would have changed the whole tone of the game. Week two in Seattle, it would have been a first down. The 49ers might have scored a touchdown. They might have won the game had Marquise Goodwin held on to that ball. I've got to call out Kyle here. I've got to call out John Lynch. Marquise Goodwin has never caught more than seven passes ever in his career. Let's let's go down the list last year, receptions. He started nine games for the Bills. Two, one, one, two, two, four. Four for 93 against Miami. That was a big day. Four for 43. Two for 15. Two, four, three, one, one. This is a guy they bet on to come in here and be a number two receiver in the National Football League down in and down out. I know it's Seattle, but I don't see the hand so far. I don't see consistently getting open. Uh, we still have a lot of football left to play, but that's he's been a head scratcher. He's been not a good portion right now. Not a good portion of this team is coming from Marquise Cook. So it's just hard to say, oh, it's Hoyer. Oh, it's Goodwin. It's the passing game. It's Kyle's own, too. I mean, two of 12 on third downs here. He really has not been able to trust his personnel in running, I think, high-quality plays. There's just been a lot of third and long, let's run with Carlos Hyde. Third and long, let's try and not get sacked here. And granted, that's a game they were playing against Seattle. Raining, it's close, the defense is playing well, let's not make a mistake here. That's not the kind of offense Kyle Shanahan is used to playing. So he's going to have to tinker and work some things here 
especially with Hoyer to find the rhythm. The middle of the field has not been there with Hoyer. That was something there in training camp. It's been there in the past in all of Shanahan's offices. They stuck with the play-action system. I thought that they were going to spread Seattle out. It didn't really work, the play-action, but clearly he did not want to put the game in Brian Hoyer's hands, and that's going to be a consistent theme, I think, going on. 2 12 on third down, 0-3 in the red zone. You don't get a touchdown there. Um, how about Carlos Hyde, though? Carlos Hyde, fantastic. His third highest rushing total of his career, 124 yards, really put the team on his back at the end of the first half there, getting two field goals, getting a bunch of momentum, a 61-yard burst, excellent blocking from Juszczyk. Um Carlos Hyde is going to see his numbers probably the best of his career, and he's, he's running hard. It will be great to see him against the Rams, even though it's a great front. That's not a defense like Carolina or Seattle. If they can get something going there, you're very encouraged with Carlos Hyde for sure. Matt Breida comes in there, picks up the torch, four carries, 35 yards. I mean, there's little pockets to be excited about. But when your passing game is as inept as Hoyer and Marquise Goodwin has been, speaking of use check, I mean, he's they haven't been able to figure out how to get him involved as an offensive weapon. Garcon was limited and blanketed on the outside. You expect that against Seattle, but just the passing game is is going to be a huge issue going forward. You hope you get right against the Rams and Colts here your next two games because if you're struggling against those two teams, clearly the issues go beyond, oh, we're playing a good defense. It's we don't have the personnel. Kyle's play calling has to adjust. There's a lot of things that have to change there. Riddle me this. I think there's extra pressure on the 49ers this week on a Thursday night game at home against the Rams, one of your few winnable games. Look at last week's Thursday night football with Texans, with Bengals. You know, you have a built-in excuse to Thursday night football. You know, we didn't have time to prepare. Really, this is Kyle Shanahan's welcome to the NFL moment. No one really watched the week three preseason where the 49ers killed the Vikings. Whole country is going to be watching the 49ers Thursday. They're going to be making fun of them. They're going to be ready to tee off. This is a chance for the 49ers to show the rest of the league, hey, what you saw week one and two, we were working out some kinks. We were getting things adjusted. We were going against good defenses. Now we're going against a good D-line, but not that good of a defense in the Rams. We're going to come out and really show you what we're made of. This is up on Shanahan. Does he believe enough in Brian Hoyer to call a game plan where Hoyer is taking more chances down the field? Does he believe in his offensive line enough? Is he going to try and muck things up and win? It's hard to tell on a short week against the Rams coming off the Seahawks kind of what the 49ers strategy will be. If it's me, I stick to my guns if I'm Kyle and I I try and run my traditional play-action system, but I really try and get the passing offense going. Bread and butter plays for Hoyer. What does he do best? What? Let's make this as easy as possible for him. Let's look good on Thursday night football, get our first win of the season, have some momentum, have this mini bye week where we have the weekend off, prepare for a Colts team who probably doesn't have Andrew Luck, and if he's back, he might be rusty. I mean, you talk about beating the Rams, now you're talking about having a chance of going 2-2 two and, two and really feeling good about yourself going into the Redskins game at 
Washington against Kirk Cousins. So I think a lot at play here against the Rams on Thursday night. You know, people around the league are going to say, oh, this is dumb. Why do we do Thursday night football? But it's actually a chance for the 49ers to say, we're not Chip Kelly. We're not Jim Tom Sula. This is a new brand of football. We have exciting young players on defense. We're pressuring the quarterback. So I, I view it as a chance for the 49ers, and I think there is some added pressure because if they do lay a stinker, things can spiral out of control quickly in an NFL season. If Hoyer comes out there, gets a little bit in his head, knows this is on national TV, throws three interceptions, he's backing Kyle Shanahan up against the wall. I tweeted it. Some other radio hosts are calling it for it, and I don't think it's going to happen soon, but another bad game from Hoyer, you're talking about his job status. You really are because there's just no point in struggling with a veteran, with a rebuilding football team, year one of a new regime. If you're going to go out and lose every week because of the quarterbacking play, you might as well let C.J. Beathard grow up quickly figure out hey is this guy have a chance to be a starter in the nfl he's gonna get killed though is the thing cj bethard i don't believe is ready to handle 30 passing attempts against an nfl defense preparation wise checks at the line making all the throws he had a great preseason for sure but this is this is a whole new game for him even if he did run the pro-style system at Iowa. A lot to weigh here, though, because if you do go 0-3, those are conversations John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are going to have. The plan isn't going correctly with Hoyer. He has a big chance to redeem himself against the Rams, and if not, they're, they're going to be sitting hard and thinking about when to play C.J. Beathard because you can't let quarterbacking play in the NFL beat you week in and week out, especially if your defense is exceeding expectations is going out there with a first-year defensive coordinator and really just turning things around. Even with a lot of players from last year's squad who were 32nd in the run, that's a quick turnaround here. I didn't think the defense would be firing on all pistons back-to-back weeks to start the year. So you're, you're kind of squandering opportunity, and that's something to think about. All right, let's go into encouraging and discouraging. Two weeks into the season, what is encouraging? I think the best player... So far on the team, you've got to say is Carlos Hyde. There was obviously talks from multiple outlets of him being cut prior to the season because he wasn't a fit for Shanahan's scheme. Listen, he's running hard. He knows this is a contract year for him. He looks good. He's been very encouraging. How about Kwan Williams, Nickelback coming in here, really stabilizing things in the middle of the field, flying around everywhere against Seattle. I know everyone's going to say he had that one-tip pass and Rashard Robinson could have had an interception there. But if K-1 gets his hands on the football, he's small but feisty, great find from the 49ers. No one really talked about that signing when, when it happened. He missed the whole season with the Browns. But kudos to Jeff Halfley, defensive backs coach, for always having a good relationship with K-1, convincing him coming to San Francisco was the best thing for him. Trent Taylor. This is something... If I was still writing at KNBR.com, it would probably be my column today why Trent Taylor needs more targets on offense. He actually got four yesterday. They were trying to get him involved. Had a third down play. Pass was broken up there. They get it. Trent Taylor is fourth in the NFL right now in punt return average, 12.25 yards per touch. That's four returns for 49 yards. This guy's elusive. You need to get him the football. He's very slippery and sneaky in space. 
I don't know if it's more screen passes. I don't know if it's lining him up in the backfield a little bit. Let's get creative with Trent Taylor, get him the football. He's been very encouraging. Probably the best rookie on the team to start. Drink of water, we're good. Uh, physicality of the secondary been very encouraging. Victor Bolden, he was up, returning kicks. That was encouraging, had a long of 34. So there, there are little parts of this team that Kyle and John Lynch changed that are working for sure. And they're not going to feel good about themselves, but it's it's not the same type of loss that last year in Seattle was that all the other years in Seattle have been. So you, you feel encouraged by a close loss in Seattle. It's weird to say it. The NFL, none of the players and coaches will admit publicly, but privately in that film room, I guarantee Kyle Shanahan is trying to pick up his players, show good things that happen. I mean, majority of the snaps... These teams were going mano y mano, especially when the 49ers were on defense. Uh, a couple plays here and there. You force Russell Wilson to throw that pass out of bounds, get a sack there. This is going to overtime. You're talking about a big Trent Taylor return, and all of a sudden you kick a field goal to win the game 12-9. So a couple plays there could have swung the game. Discouraging, we've already gone into the passing game. I don't know the correct fix. Do you muck it up, or do you try and put the game in Brian Hoyer's hands? The more I think about it, I think Kyle Shanahan's nervous to put more of the pressure on Hoyer and try and make him be a playmaker because I really don't think that's him. For some reason right now, I don't know if it's jitters or nerves, but little things are affecting this passing offense. He's getting rid of the ball quickly. That was against Seattle. we got to see it against another team, but uh, I don't know. It's It has not looked like what I envisioned, what I saw during the training camp. And I think Kyle has some decisions to weigh there. What about Trent Taylor taking some of Marquise Goodwin's snaps? Now, Trent Taylor took Jeremy Curley's roster spot. If Marquise Goodwin has another drop against the Rams and three or four catches for ho-hum yards, you are thinking about tinkering some things here. Less of the first-team snaps with Marquise Goodwin, maybe putting him in the slot more. you got to get figure out, you got to figure out a way to get him going. He was the best player on the team in training camp. Is he going to be known as a practice player in the NFL? Is he going to be known as a guy who's great when we're not really playing, when we're just going through plays, when it's not physical, when it's when we're not trying to move the football? He's got to be more. They've got to figure that out. And it's really on him to catch the football too. If you can't catch a football, it's like a running back who's fumbling. You can't be on the field. You're hurting the offense too much. Daniel Kilgore had a very discouraging day. A couple penalties, a couple of pressures allowed. Um, just when they thought they had solved some things there with Lake and Tomlinson at left guard for Zane Beatles. Kilgore had a rough day. Uh, you got to get those three playing well together on the interior offensive line. You know, I am going to say discouraging from Rashard Robinson from a standpoint of really yelling at Kwan Williams for making a defensive play, and then there was an interception he really should have had later in the game that would have flipped the tables where he was set up like he could have maybe returned it to the house and he didn't and he has not been burnt at all the first two weeks you got to give him props there but i'm gonna say discouraging rashad robinson had a chance to silence critics to make a play to win the game he didn't do it so i'm gonna be a harsh grader there on rashad robinson that's encouraging and discouraging brought to you by a sponsor that i don't have yet um Bottom line, this is really everything. The 49ers are averaging 
2 minutes and 19 seconds per drive. Only the Colts and Bengals are worse. Shout out to my boy Al Sacco for that stat on Twitter. That's what it's come down to here. This offense hasn't been able to sustain drives. They really have to get the running game going the entire game. They can't abandon it. They can't fall down early. They have to use this running game, I think, against the Rams and ride it to victory. I don't know if Hoyer is capable and ready to throw two to three touchdowns and you're counting on him throwing 275 yards. It doesn't look like that's possible yet. Things can change quickly in the NFL, but the more I think about it, the more it's time to really feed the rock to Carlos Hyde, get this time of possession straightened out so the defense isn't on the field for 82 plays. That's really the number one thing Kyle Shane has to take care of, sustaining drives. Obviously, Hoyer has to be a huge part of that, but really, I, I guess they're going to have to put the rock more in Carlos's hands. And I thought after week one, man, this interior O-line is going to struggle a lot this year. They're not going to be able to run the football up the middle. Things can change. You you really got to beat your head against the wall there until you break a big one like Carlos Hyde did against Seattle. So I, I guess that's the strategy against the Rams. Probably not going to do a preview podcast on Thursday, so that's when the game is. We'll just get a couple notes here on L.A. They got heavily outplayed by the Redskins in reviewing that game real quickly and, and following some things on Twitter. But they came back and made it a close game in the end. The Redskins made some mistakes the Rams capitalized on. So the Rams are sitting in a position, they probably have more talent on their roster than the 49ers. If all things are even and teams are going to be both making mistakes, the Rams have more players that are capable of pouncing on mistakes. Do they have the better quarterback? Probably. I mean, Jared Goff, even at this point in his career, they have the more talented quarterback, no question about that. Do they have one who's ready to play on a Thursday night on the road? Maybe not. I don't know if it'll come down to the quarterbacks on Thursday night. I think it's really going to come down to the 49ers running the football, keeping their defense off the field. I think it is a lower-scoring game. Let's not even put the pressure on Hoyer. Let's let Kyle and the play-action system play itself out. Levi Stadium, Thursday night football. That's going to do it for the podcast today. Just 20 quick minutes of rapping about the 49ers. I've been rapping in my job search, taking a few interviews, excited to possibly get back out there, but also enjoying living in San Francisco. I was making fun of Chinatown last time. Dude, I have a rooftop that I'm pretty lucky. Things are going great. 49ers are 0-2. Their fans are encouraged, though, and that's the bottom line here of this episode of the KJ Podcast. Don't freak out or jump off a cliff. You almost beat Seattle on the road in Kyle Shanahan's second-ever game with a lot of things going wrong. That is great. That is something you can live with in September. Let's see who will keep progressing and who won't. Hopefully I will as I wrap like it's Happy Gilmore at the end of this podcast. Peace. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High Fashion. Old Navy. Valid 830 to 93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com